What's up, everybody? It's me, Tahira Savannah. Welcome back to another episode of Live Hangouts. Tahira Keeps It Too Real, a podcast for Black mental health. Man, oh man. So, uh, just thinking back until like two episodes ago when I was like, oh, you know, maybe I've run out of things and direction for this podcast. I feel like I've said personally where I'm at with my own mental health. I don't know if I was in a space to teach anything. And then this week alone, and I mean, kind of since this year kind of started, we've just been dealing with, I mean, I'm still dealing with the loss of Betty White personally in my life, right? I can't even write my 20 favorite posts about, you know, like I have this thing drafted. I'm a writer for my site and I can't even get it done because I don't want to accept that she's gone. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's whatever. Um, for Regina King, you know, it's like a lot of people, tons of people across a racial spectrum, white people, black people, all kinds of people have been talking about the loss of her son. It's just, I don't know. In my personal life, I know there's something, I've been saying it in my personal circle, like, you know, there's a split in the millennial generation, which I understand now it's 1981, you were born 1981 to 1996. It's like the millennial generation. I know certain people report it to be up until 2002, which you're trying to loop in the millennials as to everyone who like existed during the September 11 attack. But that isn't, that's not necessarily true because... Like, I have younger cousins, for example, they're in their 20s, 27, 26. I'm 35. I just turned 35. Uh-huh, shout out to me growing up. Um, but yeah, there's a split in the millennial generation where I feel like, and this is what I'm doing research on to understand now. Like, how come I felt super depressed? I felt bipolar disorder, whatever. I would never actually kill myself, though. I don't even have that whatever. Even if we just stayed mute for like three years, we would never actually take it upon ourselves to go through with an act of suicide so many younger people are suffering either with drug abuse and i feel like i know not for my generation like we'll smoke weed every day that's why we don't kill ourselves it's like i'm just trying to get high which is still a problem but we're still here gen z is like they're doing different kinds of drugs and then still killing themselves it's like that's where the whole euphoria kind of and i don't even think euphoria in that generation i think they're the generation alpha those are kids who are in high school right now that's not gen z gen z is already like in college and they're kind of starting in the world because they're the generation after us so if you're generation after us then you should at least be in like your 20s you know i feel like that's what gen z is millennials like me there's older millennials there's millennials who are in their 40s right now i'm 35 and then there's younger millennials like my cousins who's seven years younger than me there's something with the younger half of the millennials that is very obviously different than us. I think that's the people who think they're Gen Z, but they're still actually millennial and they're struggling worse. Regina King's son falls into that age group. He was 26 years old. Someone else's kid passed away. Personally, in the world, I've been doing research. I've seen like 20, I was just doing research and it was like 26 year olds and 28 year olds and 25 year olds. And I'm like, why is that the the age group of the the highest rates of suicide it's a matter for us to figure this shit out thank you guys so much for tuning back in this content is going to teach research research techniques of how we can just sometimes the shrinks don't know you know they need us to ask the right questions so that, that we can get the right answers So from my first uh, 
degree that I went after at CW Post was psychology. I always knew I think something was wrong with me trying to find more about myself through psychoeducation, which is a real life thing. Like some people take pills after my diagnosis with bipolar disorder. I asked the medical professionals, I'm like, well, if you don't want to take pills, what's the other path for psychology and psychiatry? Because I know you guys don't really have that much research. Like that's what I remember at least learning, like taking psych one and psych two that it was still a very brand new study and it still is like very unknown and it has like the most question marks throughout the medical field right there's way more research for hiv and aids for example than to even deal with bipolar disorder just to make make that clear to to people listening in i understood that from just learning psych one and psych two and the reason i dropped from psych one and psych two and went I went undecided and I went to criminal justice was because the legal stuff stuck to me more naturally in college and it just made me get higher grades than understanding the body, understanding the mind, understanding all these different theories and Freud. But I also had a, in criminal justice, there's a big aspect of behavioral science, which is why I think I went to sociology, not psychology, which is, it helps me to understand behaviors. I have to go back now and teach myself what they would have taught me in psychology, which is the disorders right? We have behaviors and then we have disorders. Depression is definitely a psychological disorder, right? As much as we say there's seasonal depression, there's, well, I don't, I don't know what kind of depression people talk about, like postpartum depression, for example, right? I think that's becoming more popular where people just kind of understand to make space, like males to female relationships. They know you're a guy, you have a girl, you know she's about to have a baby, you already know to give her space for the next six months she just had a baby, give her time to readjust herself as a woman. I think we at least understand that much from where I stand. I don't have a kid, but from what I see in the world, I feel like at least we understand that. So I would say postpartum depression is understandable. Obviously, when people die and we know we go through grief and we know we expect, we leave space for people to deal with that. It's like, oh, you know, I heard you just lost your mom. I heard you just lost your brother. I heard you just lost your friend. I'm just checking in with you, right? Like we start doing things like that around with loss and stuff like that. It's very obvious. So those are my three very obvious spaces of depression. Also, I would add in job loss, right? We know when we have a friend looking for a job or, you know, they're just financially not aware. We know that that depression emotion can just come because, and I figured out where that came from actually though. It's like literally in the financial economic system in our country. Um, I'm going to put a little um, segment here, promo, but I'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Indie Circus, an artist-curated performance experience. Follow them on Instagram at Indie Circus, I-N-D-I-E-C-I-R-C-U-S. So in training for psychology, I would say when I had to work with the students, it was a lot of training before you can even show up on, on site. Like there was prerequisite trainings. And then there was actual trainings that we have to attend sexual harassment, um, mandated reporter, like learning how to do all these things. Because being a teacher, being in a student, being in a school, obviously we know we, you hear people talk about it. I mean, the pandemic just brought this conversation a lot more to the current events kind of space. But teachers are more than just teachers. That's not what their job is. The people that work in school, their job is to look out for the youth, their mind, their body, their soul. My job was to make sure that they ate after school. Like, did you have a meal? Because in lack of nutrition, we know makes you not do well in school. Some people are not thinking straight. It's because you're hungry, you know? 
there's trainings that explain that to us and there's data and there's reports that say children who are fed these amounts of vegetables a day do this on tests and children who are not fed this score like this so it's all quantified it's all in report that's how we're able to attend paid trainings for it the most ex not expensive not expensive that's not the word i want to use the most i would say exploitative part of the training was when we had to go as the club leaders and we're training with other fellow club leaders from different schools different different levels so i worked in high school i like to work in nine to college right that's where i think i fit in the most my personality anything i curse and carry on i'm not the best to have around maybe a fifth grader but we have people training with us that worked in fifth grade and then middle school middle school i think is where adolescence exists in middle school it's sexual adolescence it's all these types of like growing upness so mental health and i think the guidance counselors and that type people who work with kids who are in that middle school age have to be more aware versus one time they get to high school there's certain things that they already know that they know like periods like i didn't have to deal with that they already knew this that we're dealing with i just be like oh you're in your period today in junior high school you can't just say that because some kids have their periods some kids don't you know what i mean so we're living in that space where every kid is dealing with something different some kids have acne on their face some kids still look like six-year-olds like you know what i mean that's the junior high school space and hats off to the junior high school warriors you work in a school you work with these students you know in whatever capacity me now for high school though it seems like oh easier it's not because like you're dealing with runaways you're dealing with cutters you're dealing with suicide real ass shit school um what is these the new thing now sending threats like oh i wrote a letter left a letter in the boys bathroom saying i'm gonna blow up the school because of whatever we have to adhere to like all of these types of threats in training they teach us about preventative methods what we can see before something happens like i had students that came to my dance school let's call her name cat I knew that she was struggling at home. She would say certain things to me. I would overhear her conversations with her classmates and stuff. It was with her mom. It was like either her mother got remarried or her father got remarried, but she was definitely dealing with family issues in that kind of way. Two weeks into the school year, Catherine didn't show up to school for three days. Three days. I had already known something was wrong. So when I didn't see her in school the second day, I was like, hey, can we reach out to her family? Like, what's going on? Oh, no, she never had issues with her attendance, whatever. I'm like, okay, day two. I'm like, still no Kate, no Catherine? Oh, no, we just, you know, we did reach out, whatever. On the third day, when I showed up to the school, there were cops at what LAPD was ready at the school with Catherine. They had found out that she had run away. She was missing for 48 hours. Though me, the teacher, tried to tell somebody that there's something wrong and we should already seen that there's something wrong, but no one's listening. No one's listening. the last segment perceiving threats because i think with suicide uh, there's the only thing that we can do is to prevent it right it's like and the murder suicide rate is also up too like this rapper the other day killed himself and his girl and his kids and it's like he's a rapper there's people like me who are trying to pursue rap and it's like i'm not even close to being lit like where he was and he killed himself so it's like should i keep going because is that what what you know it, it's like where do we fall in conversations around everyone else who's not into a level of regina king's son it's like well if he couldn't get help but he has a platform and privilege and all this access what are younger people supposed to not younger people who have less what are they meant to do that's where the conversation lives and it just makes it really really like well question mark question mark anybody got an answer i don't
back to the research this is what this content is supposed to be about um i remember learning this chart and i actually just found it there was a chart that we had to understand how do you know a student is dealing with about to be at suicide ideation so i wanted to share that same chart here it falls under warning signs right it doesn't have to be necessarily in this order i feel like when i learned this four years ago it wasn't in order i think that's the way that they were teaching it but now we understand it could be any variation of these orders talking about feeling hopeless or having feeling no reason of going on when you hear people saying like man i'm just might just give up i don't know i'm about to just pack it in i don't know i can't just it's just mad dark anytime you hear people like not living in light that's a sign of depression a sign of suicide like not just because people who are having a bad day don't talk about it like that you know be mindful making a will or giving away personal possessions when you see people start to just oh i don't want this you you, you start already moving like a person that's like about to die it's like what are you doing like why are you not living your life I, that's my biggest sign to my friends sometimes i'm like yo what's going on like look alive like what's going on anytime i see them moping around or leaving not even talking with a lit tone i'm like snap out of it what's going on tell me something you get what i'm trying to say exhibiting reckless behaviors such as excessive excessive alcohol or drug consumption so that's where the millennial generation survives i would say i have tons of alcoholic friends i have tons of friends who are on drugs and they can function right we can definitely function we can pass drug tests alcohol tests we know how to do everything to make sure we don't lose our jobs that don't mean that niggas is not taking drugs or showing up to work lit or taking care of their kills super smash like that's another thing too I think that's a passive way for us to just survive. It's a survival technique, less than a warning sign. But that's for another uh, topic. Avoiding social interactions with others. So again, the isolation in the pandemic made a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I never like to talk to people anyways. Like, no, no, it's bullshit. Don't think that you can just slip away from societies. Like, I'm calling you, showing up at your crib. What are you talking about? Bring the sun into people's darkness. Sometimes you just got to do that. Don't let people tell, don't let people keep you at bay. You know, I feel like there's a lot of, gaps and when people are like slipping away it's like oh i'm introverted so you gotta just respect my space it's like that's an excuse for someone to commit suicide don't let them do it break down the door kick it in take the drugs away do whatever you have to do we have to get aggressive behind it expressing rage or intentions to seek revenge that's just very common sense right so it's like you start spiraling in this kind of negative negative way i know that's one of my triggers as a bipolar person living with bipolar when it gets to the point where i can't even check myself i know i just gotta just like chill Whatever it is that's causing my anxiety, what's causing the stress, I just got to drop it. I don't care if it's a work, a job, wherever I'm at, wherever I'm at, because my mental health is my only thing that can help me. It's my wealth. So personally for me, excessive rage or intentions or like, I'm about to go after this bitch. Did it? I already know this. Like, up, oh, TT, just take it down. Just chill. Don't, I usually don't drink, don't smoke. I just sit in that zen. I try to meditate. I try to take a walk. I try to talk to God, whatever, to pull yourself back, you know? It's a very... It's a very obvious sign that something is wrong when you're here. And the last one we have here is appearing anxious or agitated. So I feel like the appearing anxious or agitated leads to the expressing rage or seeking room to revenge or going off on your Instagram or just sending rageful texts or like, you know what I mean? Like word vomiting and I've been there. So I'm talking from experience when it comes to that, from my bipolar experience, I could say. But it's also a sign of suicide. You're just gonna blow it all up because I'm on my way out mentality, right? All of these are signs when we see anyone we know we love, maybe just a stranger or whatever, you feel a space because it's not a stranger. Let me not say that because that's something else I learned recently and I'm going to say that in the next segment. How in which we can reach people. I think that's where we're missing it. That's probably the biggest thing that we're missing. But these are some of the signs.
the last segment here in our research little mentality and the guys say i gave you guys the big bullet points if this was an outline it'd be like the roman numerals one two three there's so much thick other what i called it like little ticks down underneath each one is like capital a we have a number one we have the small a you know what i mean there's so much other stuff that we can do the last one is understanding su passive suicidal ideation because that's what leads to suicide and then actual suicide ideation i mean the space between that people who are struggling with suicide i think the best tool that we have to understand that i think in the last 10 years is the, is the story of 13 reasons why it shows you in it's a chronological order because the way that the story is broken down into tapes she's taping the fact that entire time that she's taping all those tapes up until the last tape that she still recorded then killed herself was suicide ideation what triggered her was the last the, the conversation she had with Derek Luke's character, which is the, the, the social worker, the guidance counselor in the school, right? She was already saying this is happening. She was already feeling very depressed. The show explains how she got from losing the friends to not finding boys to finding a friend to not finding value to getting hurt to being raped to not fitting into her social group to then still looking and asking for help without directly asking for help, which led to her suicide. She killed herself by buying razors from her parents' pharmacy killed herself in her parents house her parents found her i think that's the best tool that we have to explain how one person goes from thinking about it where it seems on the outside looking in is like what do you mean i didn't know she was that depressed to someone's gone passive ideation i think is when people talk about it and we don't take it seriously you hear someone say like oh man whatever i'm gonna just kill myself like and you're like oh i feel like it's a crap of help and whatever our we don't want to deal with the stigmas that put us in place to just throw those things back right well you should just do this or you should just exercise or you say something like that that is what triggers people you know I, I think i understand that as much i've lost friends through drug overdose which was because of depression and suicide i wouldn't say it was a suicide attempt but a lot of these drug overdoses go down kind of like suicide because you know the reason this person was on so many drugs is because they were depressed right and we don't know if that was their intent to kill themselves but a sound-minded person can look and see, well, if you weren't trying to kill yourself, why did you take so many drugs? We use a lot of celebrities, for example, that did that. Demi Lovato, is very, Demi Lovato is very popular for speaking about that. She went on a drug binge, almost died, and went back on the same drug binge. So it's like, she said she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, then she said she wasn't. You know what I mean? She's one person that's very outspoken too, that tries to tell her fans and her young people around her, like, yo, this shit is not easy. Like, I'd be struggling, right? Multiple times, she's been in the hospital. It's like... Who knows the next time she ends up in there if she's gonna come out who knows but she's a person that we can see living in this kind of space it's very sad when i listen to her story some days but it's also very powerful to have one who's alive and exists and talks about it so i think that's what we have to do the most research so we can save the regina king's sons and everyone else in our immediate family and friend group and neighborhood and community that is struggling ask questions call people stay on top of them find out what's going on that's the least that we could do Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is Live Hangouts to Hear Keeps It Too Real, a podcast for Black mental health.